Hey everybody, welcome to Literary Disco on Lit Hub Radio, episode 138, January Games. Today it's time for some good old-fashioned book-centric games. We will judge a book by its cover, play some bookshelf roulette, and then do whatever the heck Todd's <laughs> new rock, paper, scissors, poetry quote game We're already is. skeptical. This it's is a great was. game. We've played it before. People loved it. This is Literary Disco, the last book club you'll ever need, where Todd, Julia, and Ryder, three old friends who love to read, debate, and sometimes even agree. I am actor and filmmaker Ryder Strong. Joining me, as always, are novelist and critic Todd Goldberg and essayist and radio personality Julia Pistel. Hello. Hey. Happy Good Monday. To see you guys. As is it usual. a Monday? Yes. Is it Monday? Oh, God. Yeah. Where. <laughs> Julia, this is an important day. This only happens once every nine months in the history of our show. Uh-huh. Ryder and I are experiencing weather. Oh, wow. It is raining. Congratulations. Yes, it's, it's raining here. It's raining so hard here that the 85-year-olds are just melting. Their plastic bodies are melting in the desert. Wow. Yeah. And uh, the LA teachers have gone on strike this morning, so it is... Um... L.A. is in chaos. It feels very apocalyptic. Yes, and here in the desert also is the Palm Springs International Film Festival. So people are walking the red carpet, and their makeup is rushing down their face. Everyone mm. looks disgusting. I, I don't mean I'm presuming. I don't go. Once I was in L.A. and it started raining, and I was in a restaurant, and this was like I can't even tell you how normal this rain was, and everyone in the restaurant stood up and went to the window. And I was like, what? (laughs) It blew my mind. It really blew my mind. The traffic is is ridiculous. Like people just get so scared and they don't know how to drive in the rain. And so everybody just slows to a crawl. And like with with the teachers on strike, you just keep driving past these schools where all the teachers are out there. And the poor teachers have to wear ponchos and umbrellas. But they're out there, man. And so everyone's honking for them. Uh, and traffic, it's its crazy. The city is going... Well, and you know, peop- what but, people don't realize about Los Angeles, as it relates to the teacher strike, is that L.A. is a huge union town. If you work in Hollywood, you are in a union. And so when something like the teachers go on strike, the solidarity is huge. Like, mm. people oh, yeah. are out there on the streets and they're picketing with them. Um, yep. So, and then when the Writers Guild invariably goes on strike, people are out there picking with the Writers Guild or the Producers Guild, all these other guilds. California itself, obviously, is a very democratic state, but LA itself is a huge, like one of the last bastion majority union towns. It's really sort of a, a thing to see. I'm in three unions. Wow. Yeah. SAG, you know, acting, directing, and writing. Um, yeah. And they all have like different benefits and screenings and events but uh yeah we just sag is going to actually do a big uh a meetup tomorrow to to support the teachers so the whole i i don't think i'm going to be able to make it but ever yeah, since i'll probably go downtown if there's if i mean gosh i hope the strike doesn't oh last god long. just for yeah. the kids sake it's so and the families in la right now are really you know when you if you have to go to work what, what do you do, do? yeah you know? when i was a kid yeah. in the bay area there was a teacher strike and um this was in the 1970s and in my mind, it lasted for months. So it was probably like four days. Like It's like a Thursday, <laughs> a Friday, and a Monday and a Tuesday, right? <laughs> but in my mind, it was forever. And like we were there giving – I just remember my mom taking us there and giving us um, bags of checks Mix to give to our teachers walking on the line. Like I haven't thought about that in 
in 40 years, but that's my enduring memory of labor strife in the 70s. That <laughs> and the Sylvester Stallone all. movie, Fist. Did you guys ever see that movie, Fist? Oh, no. great movie. Horrible. <laughs> Horrible movie. Sylvester Stallone basically plays Jimmy Hoffa. Wow. Yeah. That's when he was trying to make socially conscious movies. That time ended. <laughs> And then he just became Sylvester Stallone. All right, so we got games to play, though. We're frivolous people. We got games. Let's uh, let's play some. Uh, We're frivolous people. Some judging a book by its cover, which has nothing to do with a cover. Yeah, we should book. we yeah. should explain the games we're playing today. You, tell, tell us about well, yours. Yeah, because we need because you need the explanation because <laughs> you don't. Remember we should right. just we're tell the listeners, you know, the things right. we definitely already know. Yeah. So, um, judging a book by its cover is that we will one of us picks three books. In this case, it's going to be me. And I've taken three three books that uh, off of my bookshelf that I've read at some point in my life, and I will read the first paragraph, maybe a little bit more in, in one of these. I might skip a little bit uh, without any, uh, and, and I'll avoid names if there are any like obvious names. And we'll see if uh, if you guys can either guess what it is, which has actually happened a couple times, um, or. Uh, discuss it in terms of style and writing, like whether whether what period it's from, what time period it's from, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, whether it's a memoir, you know, whatever thoughts, and just see how uh, how close yeah we're gonna throw our axe so. and see how close we get to the target to be trendy about it. Axe okay. throwing is very big these days, by the way. Yes, I know a lot of people who go out and throw axes. Megan Steelstro was telling me about throwing axes, the great essayist. Right. Sorry. Go ahead, Ryder. It's a Renaissance fair activity. I fucking love Ren fairs. God, I'd love a turkey leg. Selection number one. (laughs) The city had converted an elevated length of abandoned railway spur into an aerial greenway, and the agent and I were walking south along it in the unseasonable warmth of an outrageously expensive celebratory meal in Chelsea that included baby octopuses the chef had literally massaged to death. We had ingested the impossibly tender things entire, the first intact head I had ever consumed, let alone of an animal that decorates its lair, has been observed at complicated play. And then I'm going to jump a little little ahead. We sat and watched the traffic, and I am kidding and I am not kidding when I say that I intuited an alien intelligence, felt subject to a succession of images, sensations, memories, and effects that did not, properly speaking, belong to me, the ability to perceive polarized light, a conflation of taste and touch as salt was rubbed into the suction cups, a terror localized in my extremities, bypassing the brain completely. I was saying these things out loud to the agent who was inhaling and exhaling smoke, and we were laughing. Hmm. Okay. Okay, well, it's relatively recent, because we got New York Highline. Easy. Part of me is like, part of me is like, that's Hunter S. Thompson. No, but I, I know it's not. not. It's but not. It is. He was dead by the time. He right. Similarly, <laughs> it's either a comedic novel about pretentiousness or a pretentious nonfiction piece. <laughs> well, no, it's it is. Agents, what's agent? Is it like? Well, yeah, no. say agent again in the context of the sentence. Yeah. All right. The city had converted an elevated length of abandoned railway spur into an aerial greenway, and the agent and I were walking south along it in the unseasonable warmth 
after an outrageously expensive celebratory meal in okay. Chelsea. So the agent is an actual agent. Yeah, and then and then later on at the end, I was saying these things out loud to the agent who was inhaling and exhaling smoke. And we the were agent, okay. not my agent. But, you know, you might refer to your agent as the agent to be uh, pretentious and weird. Okay. Um, this is going to be something amazing, and we just called it pretentious four times already. Uh, well, no. So, uh, <laughs> so at first I thought it was like a secret agent, FBI agent, CIA agent, but no, it's mm-hmm. an agent. Oh, it's okay. like a, it's a literary agent. Is this um, writer's it, diary? Writer's personal it, diary. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be, would be awesome. awesome. <laughs> that. Slip and that so into the judge of the cover. Guys, this is my unpublished novel. What do you think? And you guys just piss all over it. <laughs> they just had a celebratory uh, dinner, so it could be a playwright in New York mm-hmm. or a novelist in New York. Um, and they had this great dinner with their agent. And they're high, and they're walking around, and they've, the the uh, the novelist is tripping out. I think this is um, uh, that guy who wrote um, uh, Station. What's that fucking book called? Station Eleven. Isn't that a woman? No, um, the Station Ben. What the fuck's his name? Uh, Hmm. Writer loved this book about a poet in Berlin. Um, <laughs> okay, while you're thinking about that, here's my guess. Hold on. <laughs> God damn it. I'm going to guess. So the actor Jesse Eisenberg wrote a short story collection called <laughs> oh, Green no. Gives Me Hiccups. And no. it was about pretentiousness. I did not read it, but I met him. And I have it. And that's my guess. Okay, Ben Lerner. I believe this is from... You ben know Lerner's that. book. Yes, yeah. it's Ben yes. Lerner, 1004. Boom, Great Goldberg. work, Todd. That is awesome. Wait, man. what's the book? That is so cool. It's called 1004, and it's by Ben Lerner. And yeah, he was the author of Leaving the Atosha yes. Station or Atosha yes. Station. Yeah. Um, and I read this last year, and, and I, I did talk about it. I think I mentioned it um, on, on an episode because I had just been reading it on my own. Uh, it's it's a really really good book. Um, and it's very, you know, it's 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 one of these like fictional real life stories. So it's almost he's like what happens in that scene is uh, 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 he's just gotten the advance for the novel that you're right. reading. <laughs> you know, it's one of those mm-hmm. things. Like, and, and it is definitely a novel. I guess he fictionalized a lot, but you know, it's basically a, a metafiction, a, a ruminatory. Like, it's him. Like, he kind of just it's it's a lot about it's really a lot of a lot of it is about art and. Um, uh, reflections on different forms of art and writers versus uh, visual artists, and um, it's really good. And I, and it, it is slightly pretentious. Yeah. So and leaving the, leaving the Achocha Station was really funny and really weird. Um, and that came yeah. out in like 2010, and it was also slightly autobiographical about a poet in Germany writing his first novel. Right? Wasn't that what it was about? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it won a bunch of awards and stuff. Um, Goldberg, though, able to Good pick job. a book he hasn't read Nailed simply it. by putting together the investigative pieces. People say that even though I write crime fiction, I'm not very intuitive. Like, I never figure out when people are having affairs with each other <laughs> or, like, I, I'm never quite sure when someone's a criminal. But Goldberg, boom, literary detective. I'm fa- oh, that was, that awesome. was awesome. I feel like I got a lot of the pieces. 
Okay. You do. Humor, yeah, and, pretentiousness, and I, I, I read the Jesse Eisenberg thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, tell us, tell us more about this Jesse Eisenberg book. Yeah, did you read no, it? No, I didn't. Okay. Uh, I met him at a big book event in the Javits Center when I was working at the Mark Twain house and it was part of my job to like approach famous writers and <laughs> try to use my wiles get to get them interested in the Mark Twain house. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My wiles are not very good. So, um, but no, I mean like it was fun because a lot of people love Mark Twain and we would get people who would say yes all the time. Um, so he was one of those and he was really nice. Um, but yeah, I got a book. It was Book Expo, big, big, big book event, and uh, it's there on my shelf. I think it's signed too. I should really you read know, it. and you, you're good at this actually because I remember that time that you chased down Cheryl Strayed, and you did it with absolutely you, speed and alacrity. <laughs> <laughs> and then I try. I think the key is you can't be too weird. You can't be weird. You just have to be yourself and right. Know that people are going to be like either interested or not interested. But, I mean, we got Judy Bloom, We got a lot of cool people. So, All from your abilities. All right. What's the next game? Ready? Yes. <clears throat> Selection number two. On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, it was Court Hand and Sumulai Logicals, while the rest of the week, it was the Organon, Repetition, and Astrology. The governess was always getting muddled with her astrolabe, and when she got specific, when she got specially muddled, she would take it out of the wart by wrapping his knuckles. She did not wrap Kay's knuckles because when Kay grew older, he would be Sir Kay, the master of the estate. I'll, I'll keep going. The wart was called the wart because it more or less rhymed with art, which was short for his King real Arthur, name. Obviously, we've all seen Sword in the Stone, no. <laughs> Uh, until you said governor, when it was all those random words, I was like, God, I hope these are racehorses. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got an Arthurian childhood historical fiction novel. Did you just say historical fiction novel? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm just saying words. <laughs> Don't put them together. Um... What's is there? An, is there something other than Arthur that has the Arthurian legend in it? Sure. But, like Excalibur and what? Do but you like mean? if, like the movie Excalibur. Oh, okay. Then there's Sword in the Sword, Sword in the Stone, and wow, we can't talk today. Okay, isn't there a popular novel about King Arthur's? I haven't read it. Oh, no. All right. So let's back up. We have King Arthur. It's his childhood. It's about his governess, which... Just so I'm clear here. have governesses in medieval times? King Arthur's not real, right? (laughs) (laughs) King Arthur... Like, it's established that King Arthur wasn't real, right? No, I think he's real. I think he existed. (laughs) I'm Googling that. That's not cheating. (laughs) Uh, Wait a minute! You're googling something. You can't Google. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss. We'll discuss. The I mean, I know the Arthurian legend. Is it based on some actual person? The yes. Arthurian legend. Yes, it is. Yes, I 
I but not of it, some. And now I've Googled it and I feel even more confident. Don't worry, I didn't Google the book. But Lancelot's not real. <laughs> oh my God, Todd. We need to back up and we need to get back to our book. So I okay. think the big question- Merlin is definitely real though. The big question is- There was a wizard who lived backwards. <laughs> Duh. Was The Sword in the Stone its own book before it was a Disney movie? And I'm going to guess yes, and I'm going to guess that's what this is. I think this is a – it's not a children's book because the language is too adult. So I think this is some adult retelling of the Arthurian legend. But I don't know what that book is nor why Ryder would own it. Hmm. All right. Uh, you 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 guys nailed it. Yes, uh, Julia, you nailed it. It's it's called the Once and Future King oh. by T H White. I kept being like Man I, I, in the High I, Castle. You guys didn't know it, but you got everything. I, I else. know. Yeah. I, and Sword in the Stone is adapted. I oh. completely yeah. knew that was it, but I I get that and the Man in the High Castle mixed up, and I know that's <laughs> the Man not right. High Castle has Nazis, which <laughs> right. are also yeah. real. But you can right. say you can see castle man right. vague right. language yeah. right. Um, damn it. And then yeah, so Ryder appeared this, this, in an episode of Castle. <laughs> clues. We missed. We missed that clue. Um, yeah, this book, if, I, I, I guess you guys have never read it. It is wonderful. I highly, highly recommend it. It's one of these, like, children. It is uh, pretty much for children, but it's it's really well written. It's not, it's not like a, you know, I guess you would call it a YA book nowadays. Um but it is, uh, the whole first half is the Sword in the Stone, stone story. So it's Arthur being educated as a kid because he had to be, um, you know, taken away. He doesn't know that he's, you know, destined to be king. Right. So he's being raised as this sort of, but Merlin keeps showing up in, in his life and tr- educating him. And the way Merlin educates him is through the use of magic. So he like turns into an ant um, for a day and has to live life as an ant. And the book is so well written. It describes like all the things that he learns about, you know, the biology of ants by being an ant and how they communicate. And it it, it turns him into an owl for a day. And it becomes this like great, um, look at, at, um, the value of experiential like education as opposed to like book learning. And then the second half of the book is just a retelling of the Arthurian legend, like his life. Um, and, um, I'll be honest, I don't even remember the second half of the book that well. Like the first half is the what you know, what we all know as sort of the stone cartoon right. is is the best part of the book. Um but it also is a is a I wanted to bring this up because you were asking those questions, Todd, about whether Arthur is real. I on audible.com, you know, you can buy um people know what audible.com right. is. Yeah. Obviously no. So I bought a there's a class that you can get on Audible called King Arthur History and Legend. Um it is amazing. It's one of the great courses. I don't know if that, it's what that organ, but it's taught by this woman named Dorsey Armstrong. It is a great, it's like, uh, I want to say 14 lectures. So each lecture is like an hour long and it's an amazing listen. If anybody's ever interested in Arthur, cause she starts with the history and yeah, there is reason to believe there was a, a figure who could have, you know, who, who basically rallied the, um, rallied the uh the god i'm gonna mess this up so i'm not even gonna try there's like you know different tribal groups of people right. and 
there was a figure who banded the different chiefs together to expel, uh, on, you know, another huh. group or whatever. Um, not, but it's really it's and she does all the she finds all the current re- or the contemporary references to Arthur and explains them. It's a really fascinating listen. And then she spends after you get the history stuff, which is like the first lecture or two. Then she starts going through all the 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 different variations of Arthur that have been told throughout the years. The French tradition the um english tradition the welsh tradition. where does the um the legend of actually pulling the sword from the stone come from uh i can't remember i think a lot of what we understand from arthur comes from one book the mort to arthur mort to arthur the life of arthur or the death of arthur whatever by um thomas mallory i think it's a french it's a french book which is interesting that it's you know it takes place in england it's always presented as english but um yeah, um, the Mort to Arthur, I think, is where a lot of those things hmm. came from. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a great. I listened to it like a year and a half ago, and now I'm realizing I need to listen to it again because I obviously can't didn't retain when, the information uh, besides the general. When I was it, when really I was good. like ten or eleven, I saw the movie Excalibur, <laughs> and there is a sex scene in that where someone has sex while wearing chainmail, and even then, I was like, "This is an unbelievable myth." <laughs> It'd be so heavy. Hot. That's what I like. That was my thought. I was like, "This is absurd." And he's pinchy. wearing tinfoil, pinchy on nuts. your body hairs too. You know, yeah. Ouch. No one's... Selection number three. <laughs> Sorry. Let's wait. We're tied up, Todd. If this yeah. is a competition between you and me, right? We're tied. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go on. Wonder. Wonder was the grace of the country. Any action could be justified by that. The wonder it was rooted in. Period followed period, and finally the wonder was that things could be built so big. Bridges, skyscrapers, fortunes, all having a life first in the marketplace, still drew on the forces of... Wait, sorry. Bridges, skyscrapers, fortunes, all having a life first in the marketplace, still drew on the force of wonder. But then a moment's quiet. What was it now that was built so big? Only the marketplace itself. Could there be wonder in that? The size of the con? Okay. The big Non-fiction. short. Non-fiction. No. Okay. No. It's non-fiction, though. It's Eric Larson. Huh? Um, it's not, obviously, uh, Devil in White City, but it's, his, it's one of his other books. No. Yes. No. Yeah, it's Eric Larson. Skyscrapers. Yeah, he has a book about cons and crooks. In the um, marketplace? Economic cons? Yeah. Starting in the 1930s, somewhere in there. Something like that. Uh, it's Eric Larson, for sure. It's nonfiction. Um, but it's not, I don't, I mean, it could be Michael Lewis. It could be Liar's Poker. Oh, yeah, it could be Liar's Poker. Uh, that is so a point for me, then. Like, yeah, that would be a point for you. Or we could split it. But Have we named the author correctly? Is it Michael Lewis or Eric Larson? No. 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 Oh. Okay. Nope. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Maybe you're quoting. Is it not? It Roman... is nonfiction, though. It's nonfiction. It's Ronan Farrow. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's examining writer's life. Guys, um, just FYI, just anecdotally, I know I've said it before. I just like to say it again on the record. I never want Ronan Farrow taking a special interest in my personal life. <laughs> never. Never. Okay. Well, you I have follow to him stop on Instagram saying it. so that he stops, so that he never has an interest in me. Todd. 
Yeah. You truly doth protest too much on that one. Um, uh, okay. Nonfiction. And it's certainly about. Business. Business. And skyscrapers really indicates some East Coast. The word happening. skyscraper does. Yes. Yes. I agree with you. Um, um, crap. And is there wonder in the market? Is that what it says? Uh, I'll give you a, you know, actually, the it's like a subheading, wonder. It's almost like a chapter okay, subheading. Gotcha. And then that's the paragraph underneath it. And then the next paragraph is history. Okay. And begins, that movement from wonder to the wonder that a country should be so big, to the wonder that a building could be so big, to the last small wonder that a marketplace could be so big, that was the movement of history. Then there was a change. The direction of the movement paused, sat still, or sat silent for a moment, and reversed. So that's okay. about the Great Depression. Or recession. Right. Hmm, yeah, maybe or- it is the Depression. Is it that awesome Dust Bowl book that's supposed to be so good? <sighs> no. <Nope>. But I, I <laughs> All right, you guys I think I think you're right though about it being the depression because they talk about the building of skyscrapers as though it's a marvel and now it's just a thing that happens. So all right, so I'm going nonfiction book about the Great Depression um that eventually settles into the film business. Uh Julia? No, I think it's gotta be a book about our the 2008 economic recession in some way. Ah! <laughs> this is a miss for you guys. This one's a little hard. This was a weird one. This is a book called Within the Context of No Context by George W.S. Tro. Have you guys heard about this book? No, because what? I'm not, I don't read the Federalist Papers. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? It is, it's like this, it's a, it's an amazing book and I want to reread it. Um, That's why I brought it up because it's it's like this weird manifesto that George George W S Tro was a um, a big New Yorker writer um, for years and he this is like his only book I think that he published and it's this crazy manifesto about the dangers of like television and um, the dangers of the you know what he saw is I guess he was writing in the seventies the sort of where our country was headed and it's I mean that the size of the con like I feel in here, I'll, I'll read another section because tell me, television. Television has a scale. It has other properties, but what television has to a dominant degree is a certain scale and the power to enforce it. No one has been able to describe the scale as it is experienced. We know some of its properties, though. Hmm. Television does not vary. The trivial is raised up to power in it. The powerful is lowered toward the trivial. The power behind it resembles the power of no action. The powerful passive. It is bewitching. It interferes with growth, conflict, and destruction, and these forces are different in its presence. Entertainment is an unsatisfactory word for what it encloses or projects or makes possible. No good has come of it. <laughs> this is some real wow. Mike TV shit. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Yeah, it's like it's a really it's a really declarative like negative book about where America was headed in the 70s and the rise of like mass. So media. I was right that eventually it settled on Hollywood. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Boom. Okay. Goldberg, winner. One eighth of your argument. Winner. Goldberg won. Wow. Uh, anyway, I, I want to reread it in the age of Trump because I think that uh, I think a lot of his prediction his predictions and assessments have turned out to be true. But it's written in this very weird style, this manifesto style. Um, it's 
it's almost like poetic, you know, it's, 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 it's more like poetry than nonfiction. Um, and, and I've read it probably twice. Um, I read it first when I was a teenager, uh, and I think it appealed to me because I was on television at the time. <laughs> and I was sort of, you know, a self-loathing teenager, as, as all teenagers are. And uh, so I was really, you know, I wanted to really investigate the ways that television was messing up our, our I would our have culture. loved it, Ryder, if you had been on the show and were trying to be subversive, wearing, like, <laughs> don't watch TV t-shirts and shit. Of course, you would have been fired. I wanted to. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's what I was trying to do all the time. They would be like, someone but, yeah, stop uh, Strong from getting on stage yeah. there with that. Just give him that leather jacket. Put the, <laughs> put the leather jacket on, kid. Wow. <sighs> well, yeah. that was great. Great job, Ryder. Those were really interesting. Thank you. Yeah, you guys did great. I'm, I'm, I was That's not bad. That's not bad. All right. Future King and 1004. Julia, um, your game. Well, actually, I'm going to propose this discussion was so rich, let's call it, that we skip mine and, you know, do 10 or 15 minutes with Todd, and then that's our episode, and I'm going to save mine for a later time. I agree. I agree. Um, Rock, Paper, Scissors is a game that I invented myself based on the game Rock, Paper, Scissors, but different. Okay. Right. So... Right. So, listeners, if you go back, we, we have a rich history of, of gameplay. Um, one of our favorites is Classics Corner with 2Ks, but that involves a lot of work on our part, and we're simply not And we have in to determine work. which is um, which. So, it has nothing to do with different objects defeating Correct. Each other. No, nothing at all. Uh, because you can't use pictures in a podcast, and we're not going to do a video podcasting, a vlog or some shit. We're not going to do that. So, Rock, Paper, Scissors... Um, is a game that takes four disparate elements, and you have to figure out which of those elements is which. The disparate elements are the following. Um, one or two poems by Rupi. <laughs> Instagram poet extraordinaire. It, it, she saved poetry by putting it on Instagram. Um, next, there is also a poem by an established real poet. Um, then there are lyrics from a pop song, and then something that I right, write. So there's four selections, and there's four selections. Which and is I, which? Which is which? That's correct. It's it's rock because it's a rock song. It's it's paper because it's the two poets, and it's scissors because it's me combining the elements of all of those things into one thing meant to fool you. Okay, so there's four things. So once again, um, one or two poems by Rupi, a poem by a real poet, lyrics from a pop song, and then something that I create out of whole cloth. You guys ready? Okay. Do you guys want titles for... No, we won't give titles. Well, actually, we'll give everything the same title. Everything is titled Snakes. <laughs> Okay. I've been waking up drenched in sweat, all my dreams full of regret, my regret. I keep hearing what my mother said, eyes are open, all I see is red. I met you in California, you told me you loved me in Georgia. Your heart's in the ground, frozen over, my heart's in the sky, 
supernova snakes snakes that's snakes. not Ruby. All right, no, hold on I, that's todd All or right. a poet that was snakes sometimes it'll be one sometimes it'll be two depending upon the length of the ones that uh. i find okay okay <clears throat> serpents are a holy green halos on the bottom of the earth very slittering creatures but there is a spirit to things what is a snake and why is it important imperial feminism the medical profession you should be speaking at my funeral kid healing is not shameful there is no shame in healing there is no shame in getting better all those healthy children the time in between when you feel that is the last thing you need that the time you need most of all time ears time is fierce pussyfoot doggerel snake 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 now i'm adding in the snakes at the end on my own just that they're all the same (laughs) there were some weird tonal shifts in that one that was number number three the rain is like a moist goodbye told to you by your baby's tears because your baby only knows your eyes lacks the language to tell you goodbye with words that one day will shatter and break your heart baby in your eyes there's pain and grief and baby your eyes are like my hands clenched over my heart waiting waiting for your love to come back like the rain which moistens the earth shadows fall shadows rise together into the steam of your heart which drowns me in the deep end not the shallow yeah i know okay. rupee and song are hard to dif- okay. dis- differentiate all right hold on hold on this is the recipe of life said my mother as she held me in her arms. That's oh, right. I forgot to add snakes at the end of the last one. Snakes, snakes, snakes. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is the recipe of life, said my mother, as she held me in her arms as I wept. Think of those flowers you plant in the garden each year. They will teach you that people, too, must wilt, fall, root, rise in order to bloom. Snakes, snakes, snakes. <laughs> snakes, snakes, snakes. Okay. Oh, man. I think number one was lyrics. Me too. I think number four was Todd. Yeah, number two was the real poet. Yes. And number three is Rupee. My only holding back on the rupee thing was like it's about a baby and i feel like in my mind she's yeah. like 21 and doesn't think about that is it about a baby is it just saying like, baby is... a lot yeah no, it's mother's tears or something oh man yeah whenever you hear the word baby too it's it makes you think song yeah lyrics, i so. know so it's one and three that w- could be okay here's a question todd Todd, without yes. giving anything else away, how many do we have right currently? Uh, say say your picks again. Song, poet, rupee, 
Todd. You have two correct. Okay. All right. All right. I, that, the second yeah. one is definitely the poet. That yeah. is correct. The second right? one is definitely the, the poet. only real writer. Am I definitely right, Todd? <laughs> <laughs> real poet. Yes. <laughs> yes. That. So the second one is actually a wonderful poem called "Snakes" by Dorothy Alasky, and I just read the first stanza of it. Dorothy Alasky is. We read one of her books, didn't we? Did we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Thunder. Some, Thunder yeah. Or something like that. I wasn't that into it. I w- I was pretty. I, I love Dorothy Alasky, and this is uh, her poem, Snakes. It's in, um, it appeared in Granta um, last year. Um, and it goes on for quite a while, so it's a, it's a very good poem. Okay, so another one is right. Can you read the last one again, Todd? Yes, I can. This is the recipe of life, said my mother, as she held me in her arms as I wept. Think of those flowers you plant in the garden each year. They will teach you that people too must wilt, fall, root, rise in order to bloom. That's Rupee. That's Rupee. You think that's Rupee? Okay, if that's Rupee, then Todd wrote number three. And then we had the first one right, and it was a song. How many do we have right, Todd? You guys are correct. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because we did get a little. We had some good help there. That we had. Some is Rupee so more likely to talk about mothers and children and existential things like that, or crying in her mom's arms about <laughs> right. the world being shitty? And right. also have have as appear twice in one sentence. As she held me in her arms, as I wept. Come on, rewrite. Oh, Rewrite. Jesus. <laughs> no, man, just take a photo. Someone has got to teach Rupee. Someone's got to teach Rupee about the as construction. It's used incorrectly here. Yeah, well, joke's on you. She's the I biggest know. selling author, you know, best selling poet in the history she is, of the she's world. She's bigger than Jewel now. Okay, so the first one was <laughs> is, is the worst song I've ever heard. And we will put. Uh, a YouTube video of this up on our Facebook page and on our Twitter feed. The song is called Supernova, and it is by Ansel Elgort, who you might know from The Fault in Our Stars and Baby Driver. Were you you guys aware that he's a pop star? Oh. No. Yes, he's an international pop sensation. And this song, Supernova, the absolute worst song I've ever seen, the absolute worst music video I've ever seen. This game is really bringing out your generous heart. I'm broken on the inside. Everyone knows that. Um, so that's Ansel Elgort from Fault in Our Stars and Baby Driver. Um, the second one was, in fact, me, where I just said indiscriminate lines tied together by baby mm. um, and, and used the word moist. That was my job. And it was raining, and so I decided the rain is like a moist goodbye is a yeah that was bad that was really really bad (laughs) the rain is like a a moist goodbye told to you by your baby's eyes because your baby only knows your eyes lacks the language to tell you goodbye with words yeah that one day will shatter and break your heart baby i tried to I tried to right. tr- to trick you by using baby in different ways. 
I think and, the important part is here. We're really good at this. Yeah. And then um, that was, in fact. Or it's a really right. easy um, <laughs> And this uh, this was a poem of rupees um, from 10 poems from the sun and her flowers. Um, that's the poem in full. The drawing that goes along with it is of a sunflower. So mm. that's nice. Nice. Let's let's examine this. Can, All right. Well, that was our hold, January hold games on one episode. Sec, can we examine that this? Was, well, I'm about to say. I'm can we examine this poem for just one second? <laughs> this is the recipe of life, said my mother, as she held me in her arms as I wept. Okay, so Rupi is crying in her mother's arms, and this is what her mother tells her: Think of those flowers you plant in the garden each year. Okay. They will teach you that people, too, must wilt, fall, root, rise in order to bloom. No, I don't believe it. That's not true. It doesn't make scientific sense. It, it doesn't make scientific sense. It's a terrible lesson. That's not the recipe of life. The recipe. And yeah. that's the whole poem, right? What is, so, yeah, this is what kind of shitty like recipe to life is this? Five oh, you have to wilt and fall and then root and rise. I don't know. Can't you just be a good person? I mean, I, I'm not a good person, so I don't. This is an actual question for you guys. Can't you just be a good person? Well, I think, you, you know, I think. Rupee's actually pushing you to ask deeper questions, which is, do you have to suffer to be a good person? You know? Oh. Good thing to think about. Oh, shit. Ha-ha! Rupee Rupee bringing it home. (laughs) Well, I'm getting that tattooed on the small of my back. (laughs) (laughs) Todd just suddenly became a All of I'm like, oh, shit. Rupee speaks to me. You're going to meet her one day, and you're going to love her. That's my guess. There is absolutely a 100% chance I will meet Rupi at some point, and I'm sure mm. I will find her wonderful. Um, mm. And then I will hand her a book of Sharon Old's poetry and tell her to read it cover to cover. <laughs> I wonder if she ever reads poetry, you know, like she, I mean, she mu- she has to, right? But I mean, what is she reading? Like other Instagram poets or like, I mean... I'd love to hear her actually talk about poetry. You know, like, I'd love to hear her talk about... uh, I'm sure I can find it, but... Literary Disco is produced and edited by Justin Alvarez for Lit Hub Radio. You can reach out to us directly on Twitter, at Literary Disco. Happy reading, everybody. Thanks for listening.